Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Detroit Kool-Aid, we're back in the building. This is Oakry. I'm here again with my buddy Grifka. Grifka, what's going on, man? Hey, man, just uh, happy that the draft is over. And um, I know I'm a big baseball fan, but uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, Lions season again. I'm really interested in seeing what this uh, team can do with the new picks and the new coach. <laughs> Grifka, we have officially banned all baseball talk from this podcast, but we are here to talk about the Detroit Lions draft that just concluded this past weekend. Um, we're going to hit rounds one through seven, all the different draft picks, and talk about it in general. So I haven't spoken to you since. Give me your thoughts on the number one pick at number 20, Frank Ragnow. What are you thinking? Well, I've said it before. I'm just generally not one to take uh, interior linemen in the first round. You can always find decent ones someplace later in the draft. I always thought this team needed more defense, either defensive tackle help or an edge rusher. Um, so, I would, to be honest with you, I was I was a little disappointed that that was the pick. You know, I've heard oh he was a, you know, didn't allow a sack, but you know he was injured half the year, senior year. Oh, we learned under Travis Swanson. Well, that's great. Travis Swanson really showed himself pretty well in Detroit. If he was that good, he'd still be here. Um, I mean, maybe maybe right now will turn into you know one of the greats. You know, I mean. I feel the Lions haven't had a good center since Kevin Glover. But uh, if, if he turns into something, you know, you know, makes a Pro Bowl here and there, is a solid player, fine, I'll live with it. But I just I just always find it difficult taking an interior lineman, you know, in the first round of the draft. So, Grifko, let me ask you, who would you have taken at number 20? I'm sh- I know you're watching. I know you pretty much know who was on the board at the time. If you are turning the card, who would have the best? I mean, I know he slid, but... Harold Landry. So, I mean, I, I don't know everybody's reasoning why all the, all the teams was like decided to let him slide. But um, still, I, I think him coming off the edge with uh, Ziggy on the other side, at least this year, and, I mean, he could replace him next year if the team decides not to re-sign Ziggy. But uh, still, I, I still think they need an edge rusher. Basically, we're depending a lot on, you know, Kerry Hyder to come back. And I, I realize Anthony Zettel, you know, had, what, like six and a half sacks last year. But to me, Anthony Vettel's kind of like he's another guy. I mean, that's the way I kind of look at him. I mean, nobody, you're not, the other two's offenses are not game planning for Anthony Vettel. You know, I mean, he's there. So it's like, okay, we'll throw, you know, we'll chip him, you know, and let him go. But I, I don't fear that other edge. So the Lions could have put two good edge rushers together like that. I would have been really, really pleased. But once again, I mean, maybe they're running, you know, more 3 4 this year. And, you know, then then the four three that what we're used to seeing. So maybe that's their plan. But once again, I wouldn't went with Harold Landry. Yeah, sounds good. Um, you know, my pick would have been Landry as well. the The problem is we don't know the medicals. We don't know some of these character things that pop up in the draft. And my other thing is, I don't see Landry as being that other edge guy opposite of Ziggy. I saw him more as a a blitzing backer, move him around, like kind of like. We don't know what Kennard's going to be yet, but I think that's sort of – I mean, he's 200 – Kennard is 256 pounds, 6'4", at linebacker. So, um, you know, he's a big guy, but I think they'll move him and make him rush at, at times. So I guess, like, when I thought about it more, I just thought, um, you know, maybe Landry didn't fit kind of, as you sort of said, like what they want at both sides and – uh, as much of a need because he's not just going to put his hand in the dirt every play. Harold Landry won't because of his size. But um, but it, to me, he was the best guy on the board, my Lions targets at the time, and, and that's where I thought they would go to. But I, I just want to reiterate a quick uh, take on Ragnow. Grifka, for years and years, man, we've been talking about the trenches. We've been talking about, man, it'd be nice to have a dominant O-line, wouldn't it? and we talk about it, and then we go draft the receiver, and then we say it again next year, and then we go get a tight end, and then we talk about it the other year, and then we go get, uh, you know, a fringe defensive player. Like, finally, they've put tons of resources in the front, uh, and now you don't like it? Like, I, I can't I can't not like it, and no matter 
unless the guy's a total bust, I think it's a good way to build your team. Just look at Dallas the past few years when they really invested and look at the reward they got. I mean, I think that's the best-case scenario what we got to look for. So I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the pick, man. Talking trenches and actually doing it. Okay. I mean, you know, reasonable minds can differ. So I can, uh, I can, I can, uh, you know, I can see your point with your take, but you can always find those, uh, you know, those entry alignment and later rounds of the draft. And I'm, uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm still a firm believer that when it comes down to it, that interior alignment like that, when a play needs to be made, they're not going to be the one making it. First, first rounders to me are those game breakers. You know, the guys that, uh, you know, if you need something, these are the guys that you're looking for. These are the guys that you're looking for to come with the play. You know, the big, the big stuff of the run on a fourth and goal. You know, the guy coming off the bench on a third and five to you know, either break for pass or get a sack or, you know, an outside linebacker, you know, making a play, you know, cornerbacks, you know, you know, running, a running back busting off a long one, wide receivers making a tough catch. Of course, the quarterback making the, you know, feeding the ball in there. Centers and guards, I know that I'm making, Maybe I'm making it sound like I need trendy picks, you know, like flashy guys, but those first rounders to me are the guys that they're the guys that make the plays. And that's the way I've always kind of looked at it. Yeah, and it's understandable, but the uh, there's two points I want to fight you on for a second. First of all, we talked about it in a previous episode. The O line is one of the few positions that's out there every snap for the whole game. Uh, they impact two areas of the game, the run game and the pass game. So that, to me, they got extra value. One, because they play every every snap, every game, when healthy, and they don't get injured as much. And two, they impact multiple areas of the game where and even as good as an edge rusher is, you know, he's not only not going to play all the time, he's not going to get to the quarterback every play. What's a good sack year? 12, 15 is a really great sack year. So, um those are two arguments. And my other thing is, like, I've been looking into the contracts a lot the last few years. If you look at the way the NFL draft is structured now, everyone says, oh, you can't take a guard or a center that high. you got to take quarterbacks high. Like, when you really look at it, it almost doesn't matter anymore, in my opinion, because you're paying Frank and Greg now four years, I think a total of maybe, like, $18 million guaranteed for that whole contract. So... As long as he helps your team, he comes in and plays. That's a that's a very low level free agent contract, regardless. So, I mean, the only the only benefit of taking these quarterbacks high is that they turn out to be a complete stud. Then you they're just on the cheap for four years. But what's the difference if you take a an O lineman there or you take an O lineman in the third round? It's like a difference of you know five ten million bucks. Like that's a drop in the bucket in the NFL. So, I think you just go get. The NFL draft is so cheap across the board, you don't have to have that position value anymore like you used to. Yeah, I mean, I see your point, but I still I still believe those first-round guys are the guys that you draft that you, they need to make the play. So, that's, I mean, like I said, reasonable minds can differ on this. But, but O-linemen aren't making any plays, in your opinion? They're not opening holes? They're not protecting a $27 million quarterback? Like, I don't get where they're not making plays. There's plenty of guys that are O linemen that are taking in, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth rounds that are doing the same thing. And if you're missing out on that guy who can make that play, so you're like, well, we need to beef up our line, so you go and you, you take a need pick. You know that that's what happens. What uh, if you go take all these like positions that. and you ignore the line? You end up with Dominic Raviola in the middle, and you end up with a bunch of other bums that can't block anyone. That's what we've had the past decade. I'm tired of it. Why do you think we can't run on fourth and short? Because we have no O-line. Why do you think our quarterback's getting killed every other place? We have no O-line. Well, you're right. But that being said, you're, you're protecting Matt Stafford, and you just took a rookie center to do it. Your rookie center is supposed to be making all the calls. You know, T.J. Lang is not going to be telling, like, telling the line where to block, where to set up. You know, it's going to be the rookie that you're now depending on. You know, but you got to look at you know, you look, and, I mean, yeah, you got to look at Bob Quinn years, though. The way he set it up, I'm looking at the chart, is the depth chart right now. He he's just going to let it play out in uh, 
in training camp. You could, you can, if he's not, I, I don't think calls are a huge issue, and I think number nine is making a lot of the line calls anyway. But you can put Ragnow in the middle. You can put him at left guard. Um, Frank Ragnow said he can play tackle and uh, says he can play all the line positions, so there's a bonus. Uh, we know Glasgow can play at least two, if not three positions. There's all this flexibility, so you're not nailed down to, oh, if Frank Ragnow doesn't play the middle and make every call and is perfect, he's unusable. That's why I like it again so much, because he's so the versatility and the way you can just move him around. Let's say, uh, let's say TJ Lang blows out his knee in early in the year. You, just, you can slide him over to right guard. You know, reshuffle your your interior guys there and make it work. So, I don't know. I mean, we still got Joe Dahl, and we'll talk about the other linemen we took here in a bit. But um, I think they got so much flexibility and so much um, interchangeable parts up there that even if we have some injuries, we're not going to have to worry about it like we have in years past. So, you got to look at that. It's not just like, oh, this guy's a center and that's it. Like, that's just not how it, that's not how Bob Quinn drafts. Like, you got to be able to do multiple things, and you know. For making line calls, like you said, about playing tight end or some of these positions that act like it's brain surgery. I mean, it's not. This guy's been doing it for four years at a pretty high level, so I wouldn't worry about it. But anyway, okay. you, you don't want to get me ranting any, any further. So as you said, I guess we'll agree to disagree, but I think you're going to love this pick here in the next couple of years when we have these five uh, just big nasties up front that are doing some big things. So on to the rest of the draft. I'll let you pick the next uh, pick that you want to talk about. Um, who else uh, caught your eye or you want to discuss? Um, I guess we'll go with Kerryon Johnson right in the second round there. Am I happy they took a back? Yes. Um, Kerryon Johnson, once again, he played at a high level down at Auburn. Played in some tough conferences that plays, tough conference that plays, uh, tough defense. And, um, you know, he did some stuff down there. Um, I know everybody was talking about, you know, you know, um, Kelly side of LSU. Once again, I mean, everybody was like worried about his, uh, you know, his character, you know, things of that nature. But, um, you know, Johnson, am, am I happy with pick? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that pick. Um, do I think he'll start? I think, um, I think the lines are going to, uh, you know, depend a little more on Blunt this this year, and maybe I don't want to say develop Johnson, but I mean, I think they'll go with Blunt a little more, and then, you know. Next year, if they won't resign Blunt, they'll just, then they'll depend on Johnson more to be to be the workhorse. So, do I like the pick? Yeah, I mean, I like that pick an awful lot. So talk, I was pretty happy about, that's what I got. Talk to me about his role. Uh, for your best case scenario for him, both stat wise or usage wise in year one, and what do you think about the trade up to get him? Um, trade ups to me, I always find them unless it's somebody that you're really, really in love with. I'm not a huge fan of giving up, you know, picks, you know, to to move up, you know, just a few spots. I mean what what they gave up for him, okay, if they if they felt comfortable and felt like with you know, they were getting good value for it. Oh, okay. You know, I can live with that. But um I I'm not a huge fan of giving up draft picks for it. I mean if you're if you're giving up a seventh or something like that, okay I can I, I can I can live with that. Mid round draft picks I'm not a huge fan of giving up those to move up and up in a draft. Um you can still find really good players at that at that um in those rounds. So um you know what they gave up to get them, I mean I, I can live with it. But um I'm just happy they got a running back that uh you know, the guys um the guys got some decent moves. I mean, it doesn't look like um they showed a lot of his highlights. I mean I saw some of his games, he wasn't one of those guys that was always looking to break to the outside. Um, you know, he could go up between the tackles, jump cut to the outside, you know, to get to the clear space. But he wasn't instantaneously, you know, just when he got the handoff breaking for the tackle, you know, trying to get to the outside. You know, so uh, I'm pretty happy with that pick. I really hope that translates, you know, into the pros, that that's what he wants to do. Because, once again, I've said it to you before, everybody in the pros is fast. You just can't run to the edge. I mean, we had that with, uh, was it, uh, Kevin Jones. I mean, that's from Virginia Tech. That guy just always wanted to break it to the edge. And he would get tackled, and because uh, he was just always looking to run outside. But uh, this guy, he can take it up the middle, and um, you know, once he gets into the second level, that's where he's looking to, you know, like every good running back, you know, break it to the outside at that point, you know, to you know, get around the safeties. So I do, I like to pick an awful lot, and um, I envision him. He'll probably maybe get, uh, depending on what the offense looks like, depending on how the defense holds up. If we're not pass happy, 
I could see him maybe getting, you know, like I said, split in time, you know, early in the year, maybe getting like around 10 to 15 carries as the season goes on, depending on, you know, what the game plan is and becoming more of, more of the, uh, of the workhorse, you know, getting somewhere between, you know, like, you know, 15 to, you know, 20 carries a game. Okay. So basically you're saying it's a great pick because they got great interior offensive line, which helps in multiple areas of the game. And, uh, Bob Quinn, thank goodness, has uh, invested up there to make this running back hey, we, pick worth it. We 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 passed for we passed the first round already. We're gonna move on. We, oh. could, we we can have a Frank Reich nowadays some other time, but let's move on here. No, I was just saying, like carry on wouldn't be as good without some beasts up front. Don't you agree? Well, if if uh, the whole right side of the line could stay healthy this year, it would be pretty decent. If Taylor Decker continues to develop. You know, I realized he was hurt half the year, and everybody expected him to come in and just be, be great, you know, from his injury with, like, you know, no, with no, uh, you know, preseason games and missing half the season. Everybody expected him to come in and be, like, you know, the right wall of China. I mean, but if he develops, I mean, right there, I mean, you know, Glasgow, I think Glasgow, obviously, he's done pretty well. So, okay, they got their center. The, Let's see how good the, the center is. The best old line we've had on paper, maybe in our lifetime, and you are just finding reasons why you don't like it. Anyway, back to carry, <laughs> back to carry on. What a uh, do you um, do you both see him in the past game, and then also do you you said something about you think which most people just kind of assume oh Garrett Bunt's here one year and he's gone. Like so in 2019, you just envision carry on to be the guy, and give me a quick two seconds on the rest of that depth chart, both. Once training camp's over, who do you see as that running back depth chart? And then what about next year? Well, I think the starter right now is going to be Pencilman, and, you know, is all uh, Garrett Blunt. Um, backup's going to be Johnson, with the third down back being C.O. Riddick. Um, I've said this to you before a long time ago. I mean, I always thought C.O. Riddick was the best running back on that team, even when they had Mir Abdullah. Um, I think he can – he's not a between-the-tackles runner, but, you know, what, what he does, I think he pass blocks pretty well. You know, I think he's really good at picking up a blitz. Um, and plus, he's got good hands. I think he's I think he's probably one of the better third comebacks in the league. Um, so I would go with those top three. I could see, honestly, Mirabilo being cut. I mean, I realize he's still on his rookie contract and doesn't cost the team a whole lot of money. But what he's produced since he's been here, I don't know if that really, you know, guarantees him a spot on the roster. Um, I know I was your fans chiming for Zenner. But, you know, if Zenner was that good, he'd be far up the death chart. You know, everybody's like, oh, gosh, he ran, you know, you know, 80 yards in the first half, and then they didn't give him the ball in the second half. Yeah, okay, maybe defense has made adjustments on it. You know, like, or maybe the Lions were playing from behind again. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't just give him the ball like they wanted to. But, you know, if Zach Zenner was that good, he would have been number one on the death chart. You know, for as much as we all try to be, like, armchair coaches and GMs, you know, those guys see those guys in practice every day. So, you know, Zenner would probably be your fourth running back. You know, Green, he's shown a little bit last year, especially in the you know, first game against Baltimore. I think he gets to hang around. I think really the odds that are, are um, probably Amir Gruber in, uh, in Washington. Okay. The the way I see it, almost like don't overthink it. Just go blunt, carry on, Abdullah, Theo, and then between Tion, Zenner, and Washington, probably – uh, just whoever is best at both special teams at that point and for that fifth spot, I'd keep five, you know, and just, just go with those guys. Uh, I don't know what cutting Amir Abdullah does to help you unless um, your roster is all screwed up and you have to have, I, I could know, see him traded sometime. People. I could see him traded sometime, you know, either early in training camp, um, some, you know, something like that. You're right. Like I said, he's still on his rookie contract, but as if you're looking to get the, the best guys on the field, the guy the guy hasn't hasn't played any special teams. So but I, it's a nice piece I, to have just to sit there as now a fourth or you know basically a fourth running back and a receiving back rather than the guy. I mean, I still think he's got some juice, uh, if he, especially if he's down the depth chart quite a bit. But any with that being said, like you feel you seem pretty positive on Carrion. You think that he's going to. Uh, in 2019, you think he'll basically just be the guy with some backups? That's what it sounded like to me when you talked about yeah, it. Yeah, I think I think this year is like his uh, his grooming year, and next year he's the workhorse for the team. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen him. I haven't heard a whole lot about his hands. Um, 
I've heard that's one of those things that you can't work on just by watching other running backs talk about that. It's just like, you can work on that. You know, I, you know, it, it doesn't seem like he had a fumble problem at Auburn, you know, unlike when we had at Nebraska and the pros. But, uh, I can, I, I don't know if he's like that guy that can be a all three down back guy, but, um, you know, he might be one of those guys every once in a while, you know, catches a pad or pass on the flat or, you know, run the wheel route, you know, catches one ten fifteen yards on the field. But, um, that's going to be more of like, I think, Theo Riddick's job. So, um, but yeah, I believe next year he'll be the workhorse. I mean, he'll definitely be, you know, the first down, second down back, you know, with, um, once again, they'll maybe if they keep Theo around or if they try to get, you know, another, you know, scat back, you know, third down back. But, uh, I think, uh, Johnson will be the, uh, workhorse come next year. Nice. Well, sounds good. Like I say, uh, and I don't know if I'd love to trade up. Um, I, I pretty much like the player, but, you know, he's got a different running style, and I hope it clicks. And it's always just fun to watch us, you know. As much as I talk about the trenches and the meat and potatoes, it is fun to watch skilled players. So it would be interesting and fun when he gets those first few carries. or As long as he can pound in the end zone, too, that's really all I care about. I don't care about him getting all these gaudy yardage numbers to score touchdowns, you know, when we need him to, uh, him and McGarrett, that would be a huge, huge thing for us. So sounds good. I think it's a, I think it's a overall a good pick, um, you know, and this whole new, you know, we're going to be tough. We're going to run the football is pretty, pretty awesome to have. So um, moving on, if we're going in sequential order to the third round pick, Mr. Skywalker, Tracy Walker, like, what are you thinking? Do you even know much about him? Like, it really caught everybody off guard. I've done a little bit of re-up on him, but what were your initial thoughts? Um, to be perfectly honest with you, my initial thought, who's he? Never heard of him. Right. You know, I, I know he played at a smaller school. Um, I mean, once again, you know, obviously the GM and the coach know something I don't know. I mean, from what I've read up on after a word about him, you know, he's going to be the guy that's going to be the quarterback on the defensive backfield. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to take over for Quinn when, you know, Quinn's gone. So, um, once again, this is going to be a learning year for him, but I don't know how he's going to, I don't know if he's going to touch the field very much based on what the lines have signed and what they have back there right now. Um, My problem right off the bat, though, is like you just said, he's going to be the quarterback of the defense. Like when? Like in three years? You know, yeah, like, uh, there's That's no crazy. there's no real spot. We have all this depth. Like even if he's a tremendous player, which I can't imagine he's all world. Because like you said, nobody had heard of him. He wasn't on my radar. You know, um, we right. do trust so Bob Quinn, but how's he going to be this incredible just take take like over I said, guy? I, I don't know. That's that's what I've read about him. I mean, like I said, when they said his name, I'm like, who's that guy? I've never even heard of him before. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to be one of those guys like, oh yeah, I've much since Tate. Yeah. Like I said, I never saw the guy play on a Tuesday night on ESPN. To be honest with you, so I couldn't tell you anything about him. But you know, I'll, you know, read his headlines. This guy's going to be the quarterback of the defense, making the calls. So, I mean, you know, he can come up and stop the run. He comes up and he's a hitter. Well, yeah, Lou Delmas was a hitter. I mean, Killebrew mm-hmm. was supposed to be drafted as a as a he was a hitter also. And I still kind of mm-hmm. I still kind of like Killebrew. So, I, I I don't know, you know, you know, Diggs. You know, I mean, that guy comes up and hits. So, I mean, I'm not, like you said, I don't know when this guy's going to touch the field, how much development this guy's going to be. I mean, is this guy going to be like a, a table where he's kind of redshirted? You know, like, okay, you'll see the field in spots, but, you know, you're still stuck behind, you know, these, these veterans and, you know, we're, I don't know. But uh, I wish I did. But um, well, I'm fine when with that pick it, was like, made, I was like, who's that guy? I'm fine with it. If they love the player and they got a, a role for him, I just, Going back to my take about, you know, the salaries in NFL, you know, you can do that. But to me, a third rounder is still like almost in nowadays NFL is a dead starter. Like, you know, is either a groom him or have a role for him or just he basically will start from day one, especially if you take him at a defensive position. Um, you don't take like project guys or, hey, we're planning for when Glover leaves. Last time I looked, he just signed like a new – two, three-year deal, so it's not like his contract's up after this year. So I don't buy a lot of that stuff they talk about, except the fact that Bob Quinn seems to love him. Matt Patricia and him were fist-pumping like they just won the Super Bowl after they took this guy. So they they must have something in mind. But if it takes a while for him to develop, I'm going to chalk this up as a miss in the pretty much the mid-third round, not even the lower third or the upper third. Like, 
mid to late third round, you're taking this guy, and, uh, you know, I just don't see a spot where he's going to make an impact. But like you say, from what I read, too, there's all this good stuff talking about him, so I guess we got to hope. But it's, yeah, I guess, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait to see what he looks like when we're down there at practice and when we uh, – you know, when we see him, you know, in the preseason and in games, maybe this guy's just going to be, you know, special team guy the first year or two, and that, you know, when Quinn, you know, when they decide to part ways with Quinn, he becomes your man. I mean, I, I don't the know, one, but the one thing I do ahead. love is like, look at our DB and our and our back, our back seven basically. Like, look at the depth. I mean, I know we talked about you don't love some of the guys, but I mean, just. Just the fact that all the guys we have had that have been halfway decent are still there and don't have to be the guy as much anymore. Like, let's say Tracy Walker comes in, he's like in a safety rotation, or they start playing more three safeties and he's the guy. Um, our corners, let's say like one guy goes down, I feel like we have a backup or two now that have been around, been in the system and can play. Like we never have had that the last few years. Same like I was saying about the old line, like. I think that's going to be a new different thing on the team is to see this defensive back slash back seven depth and quality of player that's going to be better than we've had in probably the last five years, which would be nice yeah. because you got to be able to cover in the NFL. And so there's another plus for good old Walker boy is, uh, hey, man, if you can cover and you can run and hit, I don't mind you on my team. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I haven't seen this guy play one minute. All I saw of him was a few highlights they flashed on him. On draft mm-hmm. night, so I can't tell you anything about the guy. Yeah. What um? So moving into the fourth round, which they shouldn't have had a pick. Um, I'm kind of just looking at my computer, getting ready for the fifth round. All of a sudden, boom, they're up there. They made another trade. They gave up a future third rounder, which initial thoughts are just, oh my gosh, I hate it. What are they doing? <laughs> Don't even have anybody targeted. They go up to get Deshaun Hand out of Alabama. What's your thoughts? This guy to me, I mean, I remember when he was recruited in college, he was the number one player coming out. You know, he was down between Alabama and Michigan, and he ultimately went to Alabama. And still, I think his career was kind of unremarkable at Alabama. I mean, Alabama's on TV an awful lot, and I watch a lot of college football. And still, I mean, you know, he wasn't that standout defensive guy that you hear him talking about. I mean, I remember they talked about Sean Robinson a lot more than Deshaun Hammond. You know, so... I'm not quite for sure what happened to him there. I mean, maybe he was just another cog in that, you know, power wheel of Alabama, just, you know, pumping out pro players. But it didn't seem like, you know, he got a whole lot of pub for being like, you know, a high-level guy. I mean, maybe, you know, I don't live, you know, we don't live in the South, and I don't always read SEC material, you know, more focused on Midwest Big Ten stuff. And But, gosh, it seemed like, you know, Gary out of Michigan gets a lot more pub than Dish on hand ever got out of Alabama. So, am I happy with the pick? I mean, yes. If they could develop him into, you know, like supposed to be an elite defensive end. But like I said, he just never seemed to live up to the hype down at Alabama. So I don't know if this is like that project guy that we kind of, you know, kind of talk about. You know, I'm not for sure. Am I happy with the pick? I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I mean, but uh, he came from, he played big time football at a big time school and in a, in a good, uh, good conference. So. um Am I happy with it? Yeah, I, I could live with it. Giving up a third rounder form, even though it's next year's draft. Like you said, that might have been, you know, too steep a price to uh, go get that guy. Yeah, yeah, cool, man. I guess one thing we got to watch out for in that is so we just talked about Tracy Walker, who we'd never heard of. Nobody really, he's not, not on anybody's radar. And then this guy pops up, and you're like, oh, I know that name. Oh, I know he's from Alabama. Like they're a big school, so we kind of give him the benefit of the doubt for those reasons, but it's going to come down to can you play, you know, what are your skills at the National Football League level, and I look at this guy, and uh, I, I think all the talk we did early in this podcast about not getting an edge rush or not getting uh, guys that can pressure the quarterback, like when you look at this guy's size and versatility, I didn't know where to put him on my line's depth chart, is end, is he, a, is he a tackle, and I just thought, man, I've almost put him in the middle on that front line saying he can play all these different spots, and that's what we have to understand, too, is they're evolving this defense. So instead of us going, hey, what would Jim Schwartz have wanted or what would uh, um, good old Jimmy Caldwell and, and Terrell Austin have had on their defense, you got to think about this whole new defensive scheme and type they're building. So I felt like he fit in those roles 
um, when I really thought and studied them up a little bit. And uh, the other thing I looked at is, so we had, um, I think it was like nine picks next year, and next year's draft, two, I can't remember if it was two third-rounders or what, but so they gave up that asset, and then, you know, some people mentioned, like, if Ziggy walks, you would get a condition, you would get a third back, you know, compensatory, but I'm I'm still in the camp of, like, hoping both that Ziggy blows up this year and that we just keep him, just because he's such a freak size and athleticism. But I think this Deshaun Hand is going to be a good player um, in this new scheme. And uh, the more I thought about it, as much as I do hate giving up future resources, like, if it helps the team right now and gets us a playoff win, like, I guess, you know, life's short. I'm going to take it. You know, I, I know you do have to look in the long term, but I, I want to start winning now, you know, and if, if we had to bump it up a year to do so, um, I feel better about that now than I did right after draft day, the last episode we did. So, um, yeah, you know, that, yeah, that's I, my I, take I, on I, it. I, He's I totally not agree. crazy explosive, but I think he'll be a good meat and potatoes defensive player for us. Yeah, I mean, hard worker, you know, um, you know, maybe, like you said, he knows Aishon Robinson, maybe Robinson, you know, maybe takes him under his wing a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the pick. Was I, like, stoked? Like, oh, yeah, we got a steal here. No. But, um, you know, I, I'm happy with that pick. Yeah, he was he was on my radar for the Lions, and uh, this guy looks like a pro when he comes off the bus, not only size and, and height, weight, speed type of thing. Well, not speed as much, but height, weight. But when I saw interviews with him, I just felt like, man, this guy looks like an NFL player, like a professional NFL player when I saw him. So, um, you know, we'll see the other thing, you know, not to get on a uh, tangent about it, never know how much this is, but the Alabama D-line coach is here in Detroit now. So now he's got Sean and this guy. So if anybody knows him, it's I think it's Bo Davis or something is the guy's name. So he's, yeah. coached, he's coached both these guys, and uh, I'm sure – that helps him feel good about the player, that he's going to come in, know how to use them, and be able to vouch for him a little bit. You know, if this guy's a knucklehead or is not a good an athlete and can't do what they want him to do, I'm sure they would have told him that and they wouldn't wouldn't be here. So that's another another positive to look at. So, you know, hopefully we can help this defense because they're, they're going to need it the way they're going. Now, before we go to round five, um, I know it's a popular name, but – this Jonathan Hankins, who's been out there in free agency, is a big old DT. I think we talked about him before. Um, I sure wouldn't mind uh, taking some of our money that's left and going and getting a guy like that, put him in the middle with Sly and Aishon. What do you think? Uh, I would like that as well, and I think the Lions are going to make a move here pretty soon considering they just traded a team spent away you know, for a 2019 draft pick to the Dolphins. So I can see... Um, I can see him signing another defensive lineman, but I would, I would, I'd like Hankins, but I think it's going to be more of that Ricky Jean Francois because he played in New England, and um, I think Patricia knows him. I uh-huh. think it might lean towards a little more that way, but I personally, I think I'd rather have you know, um, Hank, um, John Hankins. I think he's yeah. a little better run stuffer, so that's that's the way I'd want to lean. But with the move of Spence today, I could I could uh, see that uh, uh, another D lineman you know, being picked up here in free agency. Yeah. Which, like you said, I'm I'm good with either of those guys. Uh, I just think now you're going to get Hankins at that good price because he's been out there for a while, and he's, I believe he's much younger, um, you know, a little bit bigger, but it looks like we're going to more of that bigger DT, not that spelt 300-pound guy. We want the 320-ish guy that can hold his block and move some people. So I feel like Hankins is a better upside play if that's the kind you're going for. But, yeah, I hope they make it, and, Here's one thing I want to talk about quickly, this Spence trade, because they got a seventh rounder, and everybody's like, oh, seventh rounder, you're just throwing darts. Like, I'm so frustrated at the NFL draft in the seventh round because I'm looking at my board, and I know I'm only compiling it on what I get from the quote-unquote experts, but there's so many studs out there, so many top players I see, and people are taking punters, we're taking fullbacks, like, they just seem like throwaway picks, and I'm looking at my board going, man, there's people here that can help you. There's, like, players that play at big schools that have height, weight, speed, that are um, productive, and they're just not getting drafted at all. Like, I don't get it. What's your what's your take on a seventh rounder? Is it a waste, a throwaway, or can you get a stud there if you really put your mind to it? Yeah, um, 
the seventh rounders are you're down to your diamonds in the rough. And like you said, you see all these names, and like you said, we fall into that trap of like, well, this guy played at Alabama, this guy played at Texas, this guy played at Ohio State. But there's there's obviously something why other teams aren't jumping on them because that's one thing that you hear a lot out of GMs. You know, like, well, if they play at bigger schools, they played against the best competition. They should be a little more ready, pro-ready, where they don't have to take as nearly as much seasoning as that guy who went to a D2 school or, a, you know, a smaller school. But there's obviously got to be something with them. You know, maybe it's the defensive backs. Maybe they, they come out of the crouch too quick or, they're, you know, they don't turn their hips really well. Um, linebackers, they don't have, you know, the quick feet. You know, they can't get off blocks, you know, something like that. Um, being linemen, maybe they, you know, they play too high. They get pushed back pretty easy, you know, you know something like that, you know. Now late season, now late round like offensive linemen, those are ones. You know, I know we've talked about this a whole bunch. You know, I'm a firm believer that offensive linemen, it is no matter any spot on the line, you know, except tight end, it's one of the hardest. It's one of the hardest jobs to learn in the pros. It, it's a stance you're not. You, you don't walk around in a in a three point stance. You know, it's it's a, it's, it's something you don't do every day, you know, in a normal day. You know, it's get down to your three-point stance and come explode off the ball. You know, you don't do that. I mean, so learning that, learning to, like, you know, get your hands up, your, you know, something like that. So late-round picks that you know, you get, like, those offensive linemen, I like them. Do they develop? Yeah. Do you, do you miss on some? Yeah. But um, that's like getting a seventh-round pick for it, finding that diamond in the rough. I mean, that's that's so – I'm always happy with that, but I, I don't find them a throwaway picks. But I, I, it's it's where you get your long shots. Is, is what I'm thinking. It's just like, yeah, we yes, kid looks good. You know, we produced in a couple games, but you know, yeah, you know, you know, this DB he comes out of his break too quick, or you know, he loses track of his man. He, he's always peeking in the in, in the offensive backfield. And that's where he gets burned. You know, that's stuff you can kind of coach through. But um, you know. Those late round picks, I always kind of like to go for like those bigger guys. Uh, you know, the, the later round, they tend to be a little more hungry. Um, you can you can find a little more in them. You know, are they as good as your first round picks? No, that's why they're still sitting there in the seventh round. But you know, those offensive linemen, those big defensive linemen, you know that you know, like I said, maybe they play a little higher. They takes them a little longer to get off a block. You know, you get them in coaching, they can develop. So I don't find those generally as a as wasted uh, wasted picks. Okay, yeah, I got you, and uh, I know we got to move on here to the last couple picks. But my last little bit on it is that, like, so we trade uh, uh, last year's starting defensive tackle for a seventh rounder. Like, I'm trying to figure out how to value that because if you're just going to use your seventh rounder as oh, it's a flyer, you'd be lucky to make the roster. Or, we'll just look at our roster and figure out what we're missing and, and take that in the seventh round versus let's take basically the highest graded player in the seventh round that played and had production and is quality. And if he busts out, who cares? But I could probably write down 20 names in the seventh round that I wouldn't have minded. And, you know, when a lot of these teams are taking just garbage players, you never – heard of or people that are just so off the radar and I don't get it. I don't I bet if you did a study of of these bigger name guys that get taken later versus the no names. I mean, look at our roster now. We got we got Diggs and I think we took Theo in the fifth or sixth round. These aren't throwaways if you use them right and you find the right players, you know. Well, Andre Diggs and, and Theo are good players that got taken late. And even we got a couple seventh rounders and undrafted the last couple of years that have been good. So you can't just you can't just think of these as, oh, we only got a seventh for him. Like, if you use a seventh well, it's very valuable. So I was encouraged by them getting another pick in next year's draft, especially if they weren't going to have a spot for Spence, really, on this defense. But you yeah, got to nail it. Right. That goes back to, like you just said, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, the defense, the scheme is changing. Maybe there's just not a spot for him. You know, it's just like, hey, we'll take whatever we can get. You know, okay, seventh rounder. You're right, we find that guy who's hungry and who really works hard to get a spot. And I'm not saying no everybody at practice isn't, you know, working their tail off. But, you know, every, like you said, you just gotta hit on it. And uh I know the seventh round guys are you know can be hard to hit on, but you know, hey, we've seen plenty of first rounders in this too, Eric Hebron. Like like me and Big Hughes do a uh 
we're doing a dynasty uh, thing now where each year we're taking uh, players with every Lions pick and building off of it. And I'm pulling it up right now. I think my sixth-round pick this year was uh, Devin Bellamy out of Georgia, kind of a rush edge linebacker, defensive end type guy. And then the seventh round, I think I took uh, this Holton Hill guy who's a – he was like a top corner. People had him in the third, fourth round. Couldn't understand why he wasn't getting drafted. You know, that's my seventh round flyer rather than like, I don't mind the Lions taking a fullback because I, I get it. It's more of like a mindset and, hey, we don't have one. There's no real good fullbacks out there in the NFL, so you got to go draft one if you want one. I get it. But would I much rather have maybe this Holton Hill type who might become a really good corner in the seventh round rather than just, you know, some other position, I think so. So that's kind of where I'm seeing it too, is each year I'm getting these like pretty good studs in the uh, seventh round and, uh, and other teams seem like they're just burning them or act like, Oh, you know, they're nothing. So anyway, we, we've, we've hit on that enough, but um, I, hopefully they can make that count either use that as a trade up piece next year or, Get me a get me a decent player, like you said, even these old linemen. Get me a developmental old lineman or a, a guy that can replace Ricky Wagner's you know. I don't know. Give me something with that seventh rounder so I can feel good about it rather than somebody that's so off the radar next year. Yeah. Don't draft a long snapper. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's uh it's those kind of picks I just shake my head at when I look at the board, but um, finish finishing up our draft talk here. Uh, just kind of talk me through rounds five and uh, five and seven. Who they got? What you thought? And uh, and what else maybe you were considering or thought in those spots if you had any names? Yeah, and um, I I know in the past we've we've spoken late round picks. Like like I just kind of mentioned it. I really like you know you know grabbing those offensive linemen that you're looking to develop or like um those uh skill positions, you know, a wide receiver, you know, cornerback, you know, yep. safety, something like that. So when they took, you know, was it um what's his name? Out of Crosby. Oregon. Crosby, yeah, sorry, it was slipping my it was uh slip of the tongue, you know, I was uh, missing it. I I was really happy with that pick. Um, you know, watching college football late on Saturday nights and I saw the guy play. I mean, um but the the only thing I worry about is it's the offense they ran out there. They do a lot more kind of like they don't really come firing off the ball, you know, with that offense that they ran out at Oregon. Um, it was more of, you know, kind of get in the way, let the running back, you know, find the hole at that point. Um, but um, I think he can develop into maybe, uh, you know, right tackle down the, down the road. So I was pretty happy with that pick right there. Um, on the uh, seventh round, once again, fullback. I almost find fullbacks like wasted picks. Uh-huh. To be honest with you, they're not really used that much anymore in the pros at all. I mean, this is, you know, the 1980s, you know, where you have two backs in the backfield. I mean, how many times did, you know, the Lions, you know, really line up with a fullback? I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, well, we didn't have it in the offense. I mean, still, I mean, for the number of times we need to open up holes near the goal line, you know, you know, because because did we not score? Because we didn't have a fullback. You no, know, I think you can get an undrafted free agent at fullback. I'd much rather take a flyer on a cornerback, you know, a wide receiver, you know, something like that, as opposed to you know drafting a fullback. Real quick on that though, like so the last couple of years, like NFL has been saying, oh, we know we're like you just said, we're moving away from the fullback. You know, we want this H back fullback tight end, hey, if we really need a big blocker, we'll just throw our defensive tackle out there and see if he can get the job done. Like, I'm starting to think, like, some of these trends that you see that, you know, everyone thinks is a good idea trying to do, um, it might be good for some teams. But I know when I've been watching Lions football the last few years, like, we're lining up with that stupid pistol formation where the quarterback is six yards off the line of scrimmage and the the running back's another two, three yards behind him. And we just do that stupid pistol handoff and, and they, the defensive tackles are in the backfield before our guy even gets the football and we lose four yards. Like, I don't know that that's going to happen. If you go under center, smash mouth fullback and, you know, power to the right, like to me, that's what would excite me about that pick because, you know, we've already seen that a lot of our current running backs can't get it done just by themselves. But maybe if they had a lead blocker that can take out that 
that unblocked uh, linebacker or that defensive tackle that just used to blow by our offensive line probably won't now because we shirted it up with the Hall of Famer Frank Ragnow. Um, you know, maybe that'll help out our, our run game. So I, I'm optimistic again on it, but I'm debating on is it the new NFL where it doesn't work or does it just not work for some teams? And it, would it be maybe nice for us to have that lead pounder that would come in and just want to hit somebody so our running back had a little more room? Right. But I still think you can get undrafted free agent fullbacks. I mean, I don't see a lot of teams, you know, yeah. drafting fullbacks. You know, like, yeah, we need one of those. We're going to, you know, you can get an undrafted free agent to do that. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to scheme a whole lot of play, you know, plays for this guy if it is it's like a quick slam you know playing to the end of the line you know trying to pick up that yard you know something like that you're not like hey we're gonna you know run you out we're gonna split you out you know something like that you're a matchup nightmare no i mean you know but you don't you don't see him out there on a on a good percentage of plays being a lead blocker yeah i mean no i mean not particularly i still think what we have at wide receiver you know that's what they're going to. That's what they're going to do. They're still going to run three wide, you mm-hmm. know, that way. So yeah, okay, I, I, I agree with you on maybe get, getting undrafted. So overall, would you say like your philosophy is like let's say you you think you can get them as an undrafted free agent, you miss out on them, then there's nobody there you like, and you really want to add that to your offense. Like you would have taken the risk of just hoping to get him as a free agent rather than just draft him and know that you get him? Is that your stance on not only him, but that that was kind of my beef with some of these other picks is that I felt like they targeted certain guys and just went and got them regardless. Like I'm much more of weighted out until you can get the best value. And if you miss on them, there's probably five other guys that are going to be, you know, nearly as good or comparable. So just do the best you can and get the best value. Like where do you sit on that? Right. At that point, you know, late round, maybe it is, you know, you're just trying to go for, like, best player available. And um, if their board was like that, we're like, hey, this fullback is better than all these other guys out there. You know, I, I guess I just kind of find that hard to believe. But once yeah, again, well, we're, yeah, we're, we're not the that. ones sitting in there. We're not the ones, you know, we're not the scouts. So we can't tell you exactly if that's happening or not. But it's like one of those things, like, you're trying to tell me this fullback is better than, you know, this cornerback or this linebacker or something like that. I mean, I, I don't know. So I just always think fullback's one of those picks. You can just if we don't. They're not used that often anymore. A lot of offenses have removed them completely. You know, some are sitting out there. I mean, some colleges have them, but you know, Michigan has them. But you can go sign one as an undrafted free agent. You know, and like I said, go pick up one of those skill positions that can develop or something that you know. Yeah, that might be one of those diamonds in the rough that you hit on. So it's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, real quick, one thing you said about was he the best player on their board? If so, I guess, you know, whatever. Like, here's my beef with that when they always say he's the top guy on our board. Like, to me, I'd love to see a real NFL board because what I think they do is they just they take off almost everybody that doesn't fit their scheme. They take off everybody that, you know, they don't like character-wise or medical. They target, like their top positions of need and then they just load up those positions and then grade them accordingly because I guarantee this fullback's not the top player on your quote unquote board, but I bet you he's your most valued player at that part in the draft because you look at your current roster, you don't have one and you talked about it before and said, you know what we really need or they think they need is a iron head fullback that goes in and wants to just crush people. And so that's why they take a guy like that, not because, wow, we had him 30 spots higher in our board. Like, he's just the position of need that you wanted to take at that spot is more my opinion on how they do it because you're not putting, like, 400 players on your board. You're putting, like, 100 or less. So they're very targeted people. So that's that's my take on when they always say best available. It's just best available at – position of need at time of the draft and at a guy they liked in the pre-draft process, not best overall. Yeah. So, Well, sounds good, man. I'm just looking at, we'll put a button on this whole uh, draft talk. I'm looking at, so my picks, if I was the Lions GM, might as well get this on the uh, the old podcast. 
making my live pick for all all the Lions draft picks pretty much either before they announced or raised they announced. I would have had Harold Landry, defensive end, outside linebacker, Darius Geis, running back in the second round, Harrison Phillips, defensive tackle in the third, Okoronkwo, defensive end, outside linebacker, Oklahoma in the fourth with that trade-up. Uh, I think it's uh, Elliott, the safety out of Texas, uh, strong free safety. And then I would take in Holton Hill, the cornerback I talked about earlier, with my seventh-round pick. So, And that's that's based on, like, the current Lions team, like what they're looking for, maybe what would help them, what was good value at the time. So, like you said, you can see it's totally different than than what they did, but, you know, I think some pretty dang good values there, not knowing the character in medical. So I'm curious to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. I mean, overall, I would give this I'd give this draft probably like a B minus, C plus, you know, based on what we have talked about, you know, what guys were taken, you know, what were taken, you know. But once again, I'm not the one, you know, doing the scouting, you know, watching the hours upon hours of game film of all these guys. So, yeah, you know, if that, yep. if that's what they if that's what they like. But yeah, I do like some of the guys they got, especially where where they got them. So, um, yeah, I'll get I'll give the draft grade. My grade would be like a B minus, C plus. Right, and we don't have to go over the fact that we know it's not fair to grade it. We want to wait and see, but I'm right there with you. I kind of put that same kind of if I had to put a number or grade on it now, that's where I'd be. But um, I think this draft was all about changing the culture, changing the way that we play football. Um, and I think I want to talk to you come week four or five, Grifka, and hear your thoughts on this new toughness, this new running game, this new protection, and this new defense, because I think you're going to be a big fan. I know we can nitpick it and double-think it all the time, but I think we're going to come back and say, man, this looks a lot different than the last five, ten years of Lions football, and that's what I'm hoping for. Like I said, looking forward to it. Looking forward to see what this this mindset of this uh, coach is going to be and, you know, with this regime, so I'm uh, pretty stoked, actually, to see, you know, seeing how everybody else thinks that the Packers are going to be stuck again in Minnesota, you know, they're world beaters again, and oh, Chicago is improving, and, you know, they have one of the toughest schedules. I mean, I mean, I still think the Lions are going to be pretty tough this year, so, you know, it's not like they fell off the face of the earth, so I'm pretty interested to see see what uh, this team is going to do. All right. Well, sounds good, man. Uh, I loved all your takes on the draft. Fun to go back and discuss it. Um, we'll table Frank Ragnow for another day. I'm sure we'll be able to have that talk again. And uh, always fun hearing your thoughts. So thanks, Griff. Appreciate it.